0: Oh, you didn't think you did not hear from us on the NBA trade deadline, did you? Of course not. This is New Generation Sports Talk. EJ Stewart with you. You know, we talked about the Super Bowl. We had to make sure we had a real full Super Bowl show. We broke down that matchup and, you know, I, I, I just got things going to be an exciting game. And I'm glad we took the opportunity to take that time to talk about the Super Bowl. But there was another big sporting event happening this week. That wasn't necessarily a game or a spectacle, per se. Well, maybe you could say it was a spectacle. It was a spectacle on Twitter. Uh, I realized that day I was on my phone all day. I had a headache because I had too much screen time. Because how obsessed I was on my phone pretty much from Wednesday uh, afternoon, Wednesday evening, till Thursday afternoon. That um, the trade deadline, I really kind of sucked up a lot of the oxygen in the room for a lot of the sports conversation. We had some absolute mega deals happen over the course of, the final week before the trade deadline, the Brooklyn Nets are in a complete rebuild mode. We'll talk about the moves they made, trading KD to Phoenix and Kyrie to Dallas. We'll also be talking about some of the moves this, uh, the Clippers made. They kind of reshaped their roster a little bit, not necessarily with their stars, but with some of the, the role players that they had. The Lakers made some some big moves, uh, surprisingly, finding a way to get some decent players in there after uh, uh, struggling all season to really find uh, takers for some of their uh, uh, worst contracts being russell westbrook and some of their uh aging players so a lot of teams did some things so we're gonna break down one team made a trade that now might not actually be a trade by the time you actually listen to this podcast we'll talk about that a little bit as well so exciting stuff and you know because we're doing a basketball pod you know that uh my guy kendall is on is on the pod this week so kendall's back and i think you know once the super bowl ends we'll be hearing a lot more from kendall you know of course kendall taking down the football season off this year given his uh his responsibilities outside new generation media but um we're about to get full swing into march madness into nba stuff so i'm excited to have nba draft stuff you've seen a lot of stuff not just here but on, on the new generation media youtube channel make sure you guys subscribe to us there so kendall good to have you back man and i'm excited to get this conversation yeah ej you know like you said uh
1: glad to glad to be on the show um you know we were definitely we didn't want to record a podcast on the on the trade deadline till we uh knew the official findings of the Gary uh Gary Payton <laughs> James Wiseman trade you know that was, that was what that was, that caused the hold up you know yeah that, that was like definitely we're the hold here up and the <laughs> decisions going to be made tonight probably live while we're on the show we'll uh we'll be able to uh to give you that but um but no yeah you know plenty of stuff to talk about this is this is definitely one of the more active trade deadlines that we've seen uh in recent memory um and it all sort of revolved around one team two players that we've talked about for uh you know for the better part of 5 years now at the center of the NBA landscape uh when you when you talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and yeah. the Brooklyn Nets uh franchise so you know that's it's fitting that that's where uh that's where this has ended ended yeah
0: yeah exactly especially when you talk about these moves happening for the brooklyn nets in a trade deadline situation not an off season where you know more time negotiate not necessarily in such a hasty situation where usually more complicated deals can come to fruition um you know trade deadlines sometimes can be tricky to try to put together a, a Packages that are, are so complicated when dealing with guys with such high stature, so much money that they make. But, um, the Nets who were fourth in the East, still fourth in the East, as we record this podcast, deciding to, to blow it up, you know, <laughs> in midseason, but due to uh Kyrie Irving, essentially. So, let's get into this. So, as I noted, the Nets made two massive moves. We learned last weekend that Kyrie Irving had requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, it seemed very random. The Nets. Hadn't necessarily been playing great since KD went out with an MCL sprain, but they were not awful. They were still kind of staying afloat. Um, but all of a sudden, randomly, Kyrie Irving requested a trade. And it sounded like he was going to be granted his wish this time around um, as we, as they as they kind of discussed what was going to happen after, after the trade request he made to Brooklyn. And it was like a day or two later that he was gone. So the Nets first trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. They received one first-round pick. They received uh, a couple second-round picks. They received Spencer Dinwiddie. And then they also received uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. So once that trade happened, you said, okay, um, this isn't an awful return, but we know how much KD values Kyrie as a player and as a friend. So what does this mean for KD? He had requested a trade this offseason. He rescinded that request uh, in the offseason right prior to the training camp as the Nets couldn't find suitors to match their price tag. And then you had this weird game of chicken where we kept seeing these weird tweets from Wojnowski saying that the Nets are in, are not taking offers for Kevin Durant. or they're, they're not, you know, intending to trade Kevin Durant. It just seemed a little weird that he kept tweeting that over and over again. <laughs> it was like, okay, then why do you keep tweeting us that that this is happening? It kind of made it sound like maybe there was some posturing happening with other teams to, to, to maybe up their offers you know, through Woj. I don't know what the deal was, but... Sure enough, as we got to Wednesday night, the day before the trade deadline, the request comes in, or the the tweet comes in from Sham Sharania, and it's Kevin Durant traded to the Phoenix Suns. Durant goes to Phoenix. He is uh, traded in exchange for four first-round picks. You got a pick swap in there. You got Mikael Bridges going to Brooklyn, Cam Johnson going to Brooklyn, and at the time jay crowder going to brooklyn crowder was eventually moved to milwaukee i'm sure we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later but that was the trade and just like that the kd era in brooklyn is over the Kyrie era in brooklyn is over and now you have a team that is in complete rebuild mode they have now a little bit of a surplus of draft picks remember they lost a lot of picks in the james harden trades So some of this is them getting back some things that they didn't have but now you have a surplus of, of some picks you got some young players some interesting players some guys that are uh some guys are more veteran like Spencer Dinwiddie but but uh a team that's no longer a team you're saying is trying to compete for a championship it's it's entirely different now in the Western Conference you have two teams in Dallas and Phoenix clearly obviously going for it all they were teams that were trying to compete for a championship regardless of this trade this is them doubling down on those efforts and finding a way to uh, uh 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 you know kind of bottom, or rather, you know, double down on, I guess that's the word, <laughs> to double down on his efforts in trying to compete for a championship by, by adding some major firepower. So let's start. Uh, one, how surprised were you that this came together like this? Like, uh, let's just start it there. Like, were you surprised that it came to this some trade deadline? I, I was surprised. Like, I didn't think that prior to Kyrie's trade request that we'd be seeing those guys gone from Brooklyn. I thought that they would be playing the rest of the year, and, then you know, we'd see what happened in the playoffs. I thought they'd still be a dangerous team, potentially. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the timing of it all, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're talking about, am I surprised from where I would have been maybe a month ago or two weeks ago? Yes. I mean, this, this was very abruptly said the Nets were playing good basketball, Um, you know, post all of the Kyrie uh, controversies of, you know, the last two years, but more more yeah, recently the ones uh this year um that seemed to have you know that seemed to be behind them uh and they seem to be a team as a you know transparent as a celtics fan that uh obviously we had, we, we played them last year and and you know obviously played them very well uh i still don't want to have you still don't wanna have to see them in the playoffs uh you still you know are are cognizant of the fact that Durant and Kyrie are dangerous players and you know when when healthy and when on the floor are two of the most explosive offensive talents in the Eastern Conference um so I mean obviously yes dangerous team if but if but when you take yourself back to those moments when, you know, Kyrie wasn't playing because of, you know, a vaccine restriction and not taking the vaccine, you know, when you take yourself to the moments of Kevin Durant asking for a trade, it's all season, you take yourself back to the moments of Kyrie, you know, and issues that he had this year, um, missing games, being suspended by the team, all that. You, you, you can't be surprised that this was the outcome. You know, if I, if you would have told me in those moments that this is where we'd end up, I would have been like, yep, sounds right. You know, I mean, there's no way this thing's gonna, gonna work with the way, uh, things were headed. So while, yes, it felt like we were sort of in the eye of the storm, so to speak, things seemed calm. Um, it should be no shock that this is where it ended up, given all the turbulence that we've been through on this wild ride. That's been Brooklyn Nets basketball the last two to three years.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, um, it's surprising when you think about just how it went down, but I think when you consider just so much of the drama and the controversy that these two gentlemen, mostly Kyrie Irving, but I won't I Kevin Durant in there because this is his, this was his dance partner, this was the guy that he brought in, this is the guy that he wanted to pair with. When you think about the drama these two guys caused the last four to five years. That's not surprising that it ended in such a catastrophic and bizarre fashion. I think when it comes to the Nets. I've seen some people wanting to heap some praise onto them for, I guess, the return they will to get back. Like I, I think that that's like a, a fantasy land. I think that that is delusion to say, to say that they did a good job here. Like, look, I think you and I both agreed that those packages that they had been seeking in the offseason— were unrealistic and it would have been stupid for any team to give them the package that they were asking for you had you no know, adrian Wojnarowski, espn saying that they were gonna get maybe the the biggest package in the history of the nba for a trade for kevin durant it just seemed illogical given kevin durant's age um and, and where he's going in his career the injury history it just didn't make any sense that he would net you know he net a good i mean they got four first round picks it wasn't like i got nothing but he wasn't gonna net you know all star players and and four first round picks. He was going to net what they what the Lakers got for Anthony Davis, and he didn't. Joe it it was
1: it, 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 They said at the time that they wanted an all star player, uh, a rising young star with all star potential, and and a and a mountain of picks. Yeah, that was laughing. And they got the rising, they got the rising young potential yeah. star, Mikael Bridges. They got the mountain of picks, but they didn't get an all star player. They right. got Cam Johnson was the was the other <laughs> was, was, was the unless you think Bridges is an all star guy. Cam Johnson's a twenty seven year old rising star. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. You know, I mean, so it, that ended up being half of what they wanted.
0: Yeah, and 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 uh, again, that 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 was never gonna happen. And, and you argue like, you know even though they got two of those things, the thing that was gonna be the hardest to the hardest to get <laughs> was this all star player that they didn't get. You know. So that so they were further, way further away um, from that thing that, that than, they, than they thought they would. So they didn't get what they said they were going to get. for Kevin Durant. I think that the players that they, I like all the players that got back in a vacuum. I uh, I think the Dallas trade I felt a little better about than the Phoenix trade. I think Dorian Finney's... And then well, it's so weird because when they made the Phoenix to Dallas trade, Kendall, of, like I thought of it as if Kevin Durant was still there. So I'm like, okay, like you know, you lose Kyrie's like. Obviously, it's shot creation ability, but, like, the, the Nets could become a really good defensive team. And, you know, now you add another guy right. who can guard multiple people. Maybe it kind of lessens the responsibility and the in the need for Ben Simmons to be anything. Like, I'm looking at this team like, okay, like, you got a really good defender. You got a capable guard who's not going to move to the point. And we'll see how, you know, what he does with that. He's done it in the past and been fine playing full-time point guard. I was like, all right, let's see how it goes. I don't think they're gonna win championship, but you know, Kevin Durant on a team of guys who aren't lunatics. <laughs> like, I, let's see how this shakes out. Um, KD wanted no part of that, so now I kind of look back on that and say, okay, I don't know about that, but still, I think one of the issues I have with the Nets side is the lack of diversity in the players they got. They got all wings nice. for for <laughs> for the guys they traded. You know, you know, didn't really get play Good. point, but like. He's been playing all three ball. of them are, are, are three and D guys. Yeah, three of them are three D guys and and four of them have been playing off ball the last year. So it's like, all right, you traded a point guard and you know, maybe the best scorer we have in the NBA, and you got back three of the same guys and uh combo guard. So and then they didn't really do much to diversify the guys they had to kind of build moving forward. Like they traded Jay Crowder, but they didn't get any players back. They kept everybody else, and that includes the guys that are still on their team. Like, Royce O'Neal's a the guy they could have moved. They could have moved off Seth Curry. They could have moved off uh, Ben Simmons. I mean, I don't know if they could have moved off Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons is still there. So, uh, going forward, I'm not sure what the, the plan is. Joe now, maybe, Harris. Yeah, Joe Harris is still on the team. Like, th- there's an argument made that maybe like this is something that, that didn't have to be solved now, and maybe that's true, but... I you know given that every time every the longer you wait to trade a guy the less their value the less value you're gonna get back because you know they're um they're gonna be closer to that contract expiring the contract that they're on I, I just I, I thought that they they should have had moves ready once the KD move went down or or at least once the Kyrie move went down to say okay if we gotta blow this KD thing up too how are we gonna put together a roster that makes sense they don't have a roster that makes sense like I saw someone tweet today that they think the Nets could still you know finish in the top six. That looks fantasy land to me. Like I, I think that they won a game. I think they're playing tonight. So forgive me if they if they won today as well. I don't they they lost won the first to game. They lost to Philly. I don't know they won their first Philly. game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they won that first yeah. game when some of those guys didn't play. I, I don't think this Nets team is gonna be one of those top six teams. So I, I didn't like it from there. end. are you okay with the return they got? Um, no, I'm not. And it's not that I don't
1: think that not It's not that I think that they're in a terrible spot right now. Um, because I don't hate any, I don't individually hate these guys that they got. Uh, I like Mikhail Bridges. Uh, I like Finney Smith as players. Um, you know, I think, you know, Ken Johnson, I know you've always been high on Ken Johnson. Uh, he's been great in Phoenix. Uh, yeah. he's a little older than I would like. Uh, but you know, he's a guy that could certainly help you and play on a, on a win. Now With all these guys are guys that are ready to win and ready to play and contribute right away. um, my concern is just like the timeline, and just and also the fit for the kind of team, like the, the kind of players these guys are, which I, which, you know, they're role players to a degree. I think you know, Mikhail Bridges may be better a better role player than uh, yeah, and Jackson, he's a he's a super you know, a guy. guy, with guy a more he, he was all NBA, he was upside. all NBA
0: defensive type guy. Yeah, right, one hundred percent.
1: But these guys. In their at their core are are complementary players to stars. They're they're guys who complement and supplement um, your team when your team is good. But guys in those roles don't play as well on bad teams. It's not like they're different. It's not like they're worse, but their impact is is not felt as greatly when you're on a team that's that that is losing fifty games. And I'm not saying that that's what this team will be. I don't, maybe the team will be great. You know, maybe it seems the Denver Nuggets when they traded Melo and they got Gallo and Raymond Felton and all those guys. Right. But. um, But right now, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, Cam Thomas, who they threw back on the bench, Uh, you know, who,
0: he's been lighting it up. Uh, yeah.
1: He's been playing incredible. Uh, He's now probably your best scorer, you know, yeah. <laughs> on your team, Um, you know, either him or, or Dinwiddie. And that's a an interesting place to be. I just I just feel like you. I would have rather pursue a guy that I could sell to my fans as a faces franchise kind of guy. Right. Um. And they don't have that. I know that that's not. Yeah. I know that that's not easy. Uh. But I don't know, think, think that's too much that to ask you, given the
0: guys you were trading though. Yeah, I mean you're you know saying
1: again two two hall
0: of famers. So you're you train know? two hall of famers, guys who are going to places where they think they can help them win a championship.
1: hundred percent. Um
0: like I like DeAndre
1: Aiden, for example, is that kind of a guy. He's a guy that if 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 they brought in DeAndre Aiden, you could sell it to your fans that in the right situation, um this guy could wind up being a perennial all star center. Uh and I don't, you know, I mean, maybe again, Mikael Bridges c- could also wind up being Victor Oladipo in Indiana when Paul George got yeah. traded to, you know, Victor Oladipo was not viewed as a, as a all-star player at that point. He was, he was, you know, good in his role and did what he did, but, um, but there was another gear to Oladipo's game that people hadn't seen. You know, as a former top ten pick, maybe Mikhail Bridges is that. Um, but if Mikhail Bridges is the player that we've seen so far in his career, you know, so. You know, it's a, it's a top fifteen, top maybe borderline top ten, you know, player at his position, but that's it's it's just not what they need. You know, it's like like Jared Wallace on the Bobcats. You know, like <laughs> right, yeah, that guy can't be your best player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, this is a good comparison. Yeah, you know, and so uh, that's that's it's an awkward it's an awkward spot. And remember, we they were I don't know if this was just teams around the league speculating or if this was. You know, reporting that was coming out of Brooklyn, but there was initial word that, you know, that trade deadline day that the, that the Nets were looking about maybe possibly moving some of those guys yeah. uh, in separate deals. And and again, maybe that was just other teams around the league saying, well, this doesn't make sense. So maybe we right. can get yeah. Bridget. So. Right. Maybe we can get Cam Johnson or maybe we can get Finney Smith. But regardless, like. That, that seemed to be an option out there was to maybe see if you can consolidate some of these assets, maybe turn it into a three-team trade, and you get another player back. You know, maybe it's Zach Levine, you know, or maybe it's somebody like that. But I don't know. I just feel like this puts you in a spot where you're like the Utah Jazz, and, yeah. except
0: without, like, the— Without that face, like the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Now, maybe they got lucky, you could argue, because— yes. You know, did anybody look at Lowry Marketing before this season as a guy who could be a face of a franchise? No. And I and I say right. that as one of Lowry Marketing's biggest supporters since he came into the NBA. I was really high on him in the draft, really high on him in Chicago. Um, I actually was surprised how well the fit worked in Cleveland, but he still was tracking to be a role player. And now the guy is going to start in the All-Star game in a couple, in a week. So it doesn't mean that it can't happen. You know what I'm saying? We've seen guys go to certain places and, and thrive. And, you know, I think Bridget is the guy you look at and say, you know, he had 24 in this game against uh, Philly that played on uh, Saturday night. You say, okay, maybe he can now take his game to the next level. I mean, he's a really good offensive player. We kind of talk about his defense a lot because that's what he was asked to do in Philly, but really highly efficient. Um, it would be it'll be very interesting to see him in a, in a more expanded role on this team. I'm curious to see what his growth is like. But on this, on this, the Western the Western Conference teams and where they're headed. The West is an interesting position because the West is super wide open. Like Denver has the best record, and they have it—I won't say by far, but you know—they're they're almost four games up on Memphis as we record right now. Um, there are a lot of teams between three and like you could argue three and like twelve that are pretty close. Like Sacramento's a three seed, and they're seven games above five hundred. As we record this podcast, but they're only what four and a half games up on Portland, who is the 12th seed. So, yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of. teams. that's kind of why I think you saw some aggression by these teams in the West, particularly Suns and the Mavs, where they feel like there's really nothing that's you know off the table in terms of what you could do in the postseason. I don't think people necessarily are scared of Denver after what we saw them do um, the last two postseasons where after they made it to the conference finals. In the bubble, they made it against you know uh, they made it against Phoenix, got swept last year. Didn't get it out of the first round, so I, I think people aren't necessarily afraid of them. Uh, Memphis, they just went through a torrid stretch where they were or torrid, maybe not the right word, but they they were awful. Uh, and, and they recently just won two in a row, but they had lost like a nine out of ten at one point, so they were in a kind of a tailspin. So nobody really believes in them. So it's wide open, which is why I think the Clippers were aggressive, why the Mavs were aggressive, why the Suns were aggressive. There's, I think the 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 there's been the impetus to say that you know, with Phoenix making this move with KD, that they're definitely now the favorites coming out of the West. I don't see it that way, and here's why. I know, I think I know, I think you agree with me at least on the fact that you don't see them as the clear-cut favorites. Number one, they just became now an even older team than they were. Like I know they have Devin Booker and Ayton, so we kind of think of them as a younger team, but the guys that kind of were keeping them together in terms of still remaining semi-young. Are now gone, you know, outside of campaign, in in Bridges and and Cam Johnson, guys who I think can kind of do some of the dirty work things that maybe the old guys you wouldn't really ask to do or you wouldn't ask a star player like uh, like uh, 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 you know Devin Booker to do. Uh, you didn't bring back Jay Crowder at all this season, you know, and you traded him, and then the two younger guys who do those things are now out of the off the team. So now you're asking me, are, is this team gonna stay healthy for this final run? And through the entire playoffs? I'm not sure. KD's hurt right now. Yeah, that's why he's not playing at this moment. And two, this was a fractured locker room. Like this was a fractured team. Now they need to make they made a trade. I don't think that those two guys they traded were the problem. Like I think that those those two guys probably were the furthest away. Maybe Jay Crowder was a little bit of a problem. But those other two guys were the furthest away from the problem as to what was going on with the locker room and the disagreement with the head coach. Like I look at Phoenix and I feel a little worrisome for Monty Williams' future. That was One of my biggest takes from this trade is like, he don't get this done. I think they might get him out of there. Like, KD has been not shy to walk into places and say, yeah, that coach ain't it. Get him out of here. Like, he did it in Brooklyn with Kenny Atkinson. And this is already a locker room that was hanging on by a thread. Maybe this is the kind of trade that can, can can spark a sense of desperation in them. But they're an older team now. They have to stay healthy in order for this to work. And you still got to find a way to make all those personalities and, and the sharing of the ball and make all that match. Like at the end of the day, they have uh, Devin Booker, who's a, a volume scorer. You got Chris Paul, who's a great floor general, but a guy who does, you know, handle the ball a lot. And you got Aiden, who's still asking for more touches, more responsibility offensively. I, I It's a lot of talent on paper. I got to see it work, though, before I just say definitely that they're the favorites. I, I think the Dallas trade... I think there's a chance they got worse. I know they've won every game they played since Kyrie came back, but they now become a much worse defensive team without without uh, Dinwiddie, especially Dorian Finney-Smith, and that's another situation where you got to take on the responsibility of Ken, Luca, and uh, Kyrie figure this thing out. So I really wasn't that high on either of these trades. I think, I think in Dallas' standpoint, I can understand the sense that you're you're your ceiling probably for the playoffs probably got higher just by the raw talent you're getting in Kyrie Irving, but you don't know what you're getting in terms of character, or maybe you do, and maybe it's just not all that feeling. Um, And so you lost, you don't know what you're getting in character, and you've lost a lot of defense, so you're gonna have to get stops in the playoffs, as we saw with how the Celtics smothered teams to get to the finals. So I'm... Not as bullish on these trades in terms of like thinking that this means that Phoenix and Dallas are now the teams are beating the West, but uh, oh, how do you feel about it? Um,
1: I think Dallas, it's a move. They didn't have to make this move, but I think it's it's a move that uh, you make with the understanding that you weren't a championship team before this deal. Right. and You might not be now, but they're right now in a very desperate situation we said it they have to find Luka Doncic some help um and he's you know you have to take a swing and and I, also I, it does make you wonder if there's pressure from the Dallas Mavericks to make a move to help to keep Luka there and keep Luka happy um as opposed to staying stagnant and saying, "Yeah, we're gonna keep doing this," and then if they get bounced in the first round, is Luca then be like, uh, "I don't like being here anymore," you know? Um, so I, I there's a little bit of that, but I also think it's just again, again, it's a move that you that you make to yourself and you, you say to yourself, "If Kyrie is on and he's, you know, I mean, let's be let's be frank. I mean, Kyrie doesn't ask for this trade unless he's hell bent on getting paid this offseason. And if Kyrie is hell bent on getting paid this offseason, then we've got contract year Kyrie, you know, with half a season to prove that he is still, you know, one of the the five best point guards in the NBA. And he's still one of the best scoring, you know, threats in the NBA uh, so that he can get his math, he can get the max deal that he's looking for. Um, so and, dude, and we can't forget. Really I mean, weird.
0: after that whole suspension fiasco, that was you know entirely his fault. Like he was playing like contrary your Kyrie. I mean, he was having yeah. a spectacular statistical season. Um, I think he even goes beyond statistical. I think he was just having a great season. Watching him play this season, I know like they they were losing a little bit down the stretch. But I mean, you know that team is not good about KD. So I don't really really blame him for that per se. But like he was having a really good year and. In some ways, like, I think like he was playing that way and asking Brooklyn to pay him, and they wouldn't pay him uh, a full max salary because they don't trust him. Which I uh, I wouldn't trust him either. So that was very understandable. So I, I think that that was a uh, you know. So when you talk about what player you're getting in terms of how he will perform, there's a chance you do get a Kyrie playing extremely extremely well because he was playing well before he got uh before he got dealt before he asked for the trade.
1: Yes, and and. Dallas is saying, "Look, if we've got that guy playing at, at at the highest level possible, and the highest level he could play at in his career, and and if we could get, get back healthy and continue to play at the high level that he always plays at, uh, that you know they they may have one of if not the most dangerous one-two punch in the West. And I mean, you know, it doesn't assure you that you're gonna make a run, but um, this this is a game of inches, man, and." uh any you know any any shot that you feel like you have to to make it to the finals in this league especially in a league now that's not there's not one juggernaut super team out there that uh you know like like the the Golden State Warriors of years past or the Miami Heat of years past you got to you got to you got to take the shot so i don't I, I get it from from Dallas perspective but you know for Phoenix i i, I it's similar. Like I think they also feel like, I mean, they're not playing good basketball this year. Whatever they've had, whatever they've been doing, uh, was not working. Um, I don't know if the problem was. I mean, I don't think certainly, like you mentioned, from a chemistry standpoint, the problem wasn't Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Right. Uh, if anything, those are the glue guys trying to keep everything afloat, uh, and losing those guys inherently isn't going to. Uh, get rid of those problems, but I think in their mind it's just about adding Kevin Durant, yeah. um, and 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 saying that you know, uh, bringing bringing in Kevin Durant along with the guys you already have and Booker and Paul and Aiden, uh, should offset the struggles that they've had this year. And I think that that's, that's a fair assumption to have. I mean, this this could go down as one of the bigger impactful, you know, mid-season trades in NBA history. Um, you know, I think the one that comes to mind obviously is the Powell. Powell LaSalle and Rasheed yeah. Wallace. You know, yeah. the two that, you know, led to NBA Finals runs. Um, yeah. You know, Rasheed obviously lead, l- winning, you know, resulting the title. in a title. Right. Yeah. Lakers won a title um, the following year after the Powell trade. Yeah, the next year. Uh, but it, those, I mean, Neither one of those guys was Kevin Durant. You know, yeah. both great players. You know, I don't know if Rashido make the Hall of Fame, but uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, historical NBA uh figures for sure. Um, but neither one of them Kevin Durant. And so this could this could wind up being going down as the the all time biggest trade in NBA history in terms of mid season. Uh if if the Suns do wind up winning a, winning a title. But Uh, this is also a team that, you know, right now is middle of the pack. And if Kevin Durant puts them over the top in the West and, uh, you know, a Western conference that is wide open, um, that would certainly be, uh, that would certainly be, uh, wild to see, but, but no, I, I'm, I'm just a little concerned, like you said, about the depth of this team, about, uh. Not having those guys who are dirty work guys um, in the playoffs, you know, you're going to need to be able to guard at a high level. It's not that Kevin Durant is a terrible defensive player. Obviously, he's not. Yeah, he's a good. But one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, his length can be disruptive, but. You also don't want Kevin Durant, you know, chasing down, you know, Luka Doncic or right. having to chase down. Uh, yeah. You know some of these guys. You know the West isn't as deep uh, at the wing spot, but if he's guarding, you know Kevin, Durant, he's guarding. He's gonna be guarding PG and Kawhi. You know uh, if you're talking about the Clippers, like I don't know that that that'll be the, that'll be the question. But um, and does inserting Kevin Durant help any of those problems right. that we talked about? The the the, the lack of chemistry. Does is DeAndre Ayton gonna be happy now? You're not the number he's three about get, Yeah, he's We're about to get a line lot line less more four. shots. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or is Chris Paul gonna take the sacrifice and saying, I don't need the ball. Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm out there. Uh but this is this is K D and Book show. I'm just gonna help. You know, I'm gonna feed Aiden as much as I can. I'm gonna feed Book and I'm gonna feed K D and I don't need to shoot and you know I'm fine playing off the ball in a lot of situations. I mean, I don't think Chris Paul's a high ego guy, but he can be hard to deal with sometimes. You know? Right. Yes. He thinks that, that he still obviously thinks that he's Chris Paul and the point guard. Yeah, he's the point guard, and so I mean, this is this is gonna be fascinating, man. And then obviously you bring in new ownership, and like you yeah. said, you have the pressures of that on both the front office and on the coaching staff, and. It creates a a, a a powder keg, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, the good news they have is, I mean, KD signed, you know, to, you know, four more years or whatever. So it's not like you're getting a guy who's, you know, oh if it doesn't work out, you know, he's going to, he's going to, you know, sign somewhere else. Now, he's shown that he's willing to <laughs> force his way out of places. So, you know, maybe he'll say, look, I want to be traded right. somewhere at the Eagles of Phoenix. Who knows? But there is that, there is that comfort and say, okay, if it doesn't work out this year, they're going to retool the roster, but they still have Kevin Durant, I guess. It's...
1: I don't, did you read the the Ramona Shelburne, Brian Windhorst article? I did On not. this whole deal? I did not. I, I, did I, I only read... It. it was, it was you know, one of those inside the Durant. Yeah. I always wonder, I'm like, how'd you get a... You know, did you know it was going to happen for months? Or, you, you know, you've been right. writing this story, or did you just... I mean, it probably just wrote in the day. But, like... I didn't read the whole thing, but I read a good a good portion of it, and I guess my question was going to be just like, how do you, how do you like, how do you think this all came about, like the Durant obsession with going to Phoenix, like, like it sounded. I mean, the article just said that, like, you know, he, he, he did ask for a trade. It wasn't public, you know. We, yeah, we know about ask, this now after the fact. Yeah, he requested but, it like on that Monday. That ask for a trade and. Yeah. Yeah after the Kyrie trade and was like, Oh, I want to go to Phoenix. I'm not going to go public with this. And you guys can trade me. It's not a, not, not a demand. It's just a request. If you guys don't trade me, I'm fine. going out there with Finney Smith and Dinwiddie and seeing what (laughs) happens this year. But, um, you know, I want to go to Phoenix, you know, and hopefully that's what you guys do. And so the Nets respected that didn't, didn't go public with it either. And and, then we end up getting this trade in the middle of the night. But, uh, and I, the, it seemed like just giving through the article that it had that, that one of the ways in which this came about was just Durant and Booker's relationship through team USA bu- building. And that's always a, a catalyst for a lot of
0: these deals, but
1: like I
0: can see Kevin Durant really liking Devin Booker from a personality standpoint. Right. Those are two guys who um, they care so much about their craft. They kind of play similar games. Like, it's kind of like, in some ways, it's kind of, I think Devin Booker in some ways is like what he thought he was getting in Kyrie Irving. Because he sees, like, Kyrie's, like, almost majestic shot creation ability, his skill set. And you think, oh, this is a guy who's all about ball. And I think he learned that Kyrie is not all about ball. Kyrie works extremely hard on his game. And he's extremely talented. But he has a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different things that matter to him beyond basketball. Uh, Devin Booker has not maybe Kyrie-level, like, insane, like, skill set, but close to it. But we do know he's like that. He does have him an eye who work out. That. He is a guy who cares a lot about, like, yes. you know, the the the, the you know, his quote-unquote bag. Like, we saw him in that, you know, L.A. Fitness, you know, complaining because Ben Simmons and those guys were doubling him <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a run because he wanted to work yeah. on his bag. Like, like that is the kind of guy Kevin Durant, I think, would love. So him liking Devin Booker that much doesn't surprise me at all. I think that that's what he thought he was getting in Kyrie. Which maybe, and you those, know, when you I mean, when you hang out with a guy on a surface level, like you hang out at an all star game, you see him every now and then, maybe you work out a couple of times, maybe you think that is the guy you're getting. But you don't hang out with Kyrie the other, you know, three hundred and sixty-four days of the year when he's on some other stuff.
1: I mean, those guys might be him and
0: I mean him and Durant, are we talking
1: two of the top four or five isolation? Offensive players, isolation scorers in the league, you know, yeah, especially uh, if you kind of, yeah, if you take out some of the Harden, you know, you know, tricking the refs, Fallon, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if I Luka's even call Harden a that.
0: like, a, yeah, Harden as an isolation scorer. I'm not even sure I would say like I would put him there anymore right. as an isolation player. Yes, because he could he could also find guys for assists, but the scoring, I don't know Luka if I as well I put him. Yeah, like, I mean, no, Tatum's Luka, in the, in the conversation. Luka, Kyrie, Dame. Um, I would still put Giannis in there. Uh, Giannis is just a free train, you know. It's not like he's a oh, lot of man. That's a not con- lot of,
1: that's that's a controversial one. I know yeah, it's controversial, you know? but look,
0: all right, you try to go <laughs> Giannis one, one, be... with, one on one without a wall and see how that goes. Like that guy's a free train. Right. I see but him isolating of, guys all the time. Just in
1: terms of that, that that bad conversation. But know? yeah, I know like, what you're saying. A guy yeah. who's like unguardable skill set. You know, yeah, one on one. Yeah, on an island. Those. I mean, those. I mean, Booker and you know, and Durant especially when you factor in the size with those guys. Yeah. Data Dur- or, you know, might be the top three. Yeah, Durant you know? knows
0: how hard you have to work to get that kind of bag, so he's always going to respect somebody who has it. So I think that's why he right. would, like, and then, you know, he probably saw Devin Booker up close in team with Tate and saw how hard he worked. He's like, oh, this guy is serious. Yeah, worked, like, yeah. so so, and, so I have no question. And, the new, and the
1: new, I think the new ownership part, I think, is also – I don't know how much they got into it in that article. I didn't get up to that part, but mm-hmm. it would not surprise me if they've some way this was back channeled and, you know, mm-hmm. rich climbing definitely strikes me as the kind of guy that would, you know, <laughs> that'd be talking to a prospective owner of another team. Yeah. Um, it was, it was talked about in terms of how, uh, uh, Matt, she, was uh, she, was able to, uh, you know, connect with Joe Psy yeah, in a way that that to I to the way that obviously like, yeah, it's pushed to the finish line as you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, Genie Bus with, with the Kyrie deal, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we knew, that, we knew that wasn't happening. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't gonna happen. So, um, so yeah, like you know, maybe that it was just at that, but it's just it, it's a it's, I mean, has there ever been a guy in NBA history that's been like? I mean obviously Charles Barkley was what, like, disaccomplished, to, Phoenix, but
0: disaccomplished like, to get traded.
1: That's that's well just a guy
0: that has been like I wanna go to Phoenix. You uh, know, I guess the, the, well, the K G wanna go to people Phoenix. People underestimate and I know that someone was talking about people underestimate how like growing Phoenix is as a city in the Market. multiplex. Like right. it's one of the fastest growing cities in America. You got, you know, great weather in, in basketball season, you know, <laughs> maybe not in the summer, but in basketball season, it's great weather, you know, um, it's, you know, I don't think, I think it's not a high tax state. I'm not saying it's a no tax, it's definitely not no tax state, but it's not a high tax state. That's yeah. why a lot of, not if you don't go to me. Florida, a lot of people retire to Arizona. It's not, uh, yeah. if you're rich and you're, you live a comfortable life, is a pretty nice, sweet place to live. You saw, know, you saw, uh, you saw uh, what's the name, Cliff Kingsbury's house, you know, like, it's, it's it's it's, it's kind of nice. So I'm not yeah. So I I think that Phoenix, you know, is is it's I'm not surprised that that be a place people want to go. I mean, it's had plenty of Oscar games. People love it when the Oscar game goes there. Um, it's a cool city. So I mean, cool's not the word, maybe, but it's a good city. So you don't have the the any of the media pressure you have with some of these other uh major major markets. Like you can go to Miami and uh and, and have that, but then you have maybe not media pressure, but you definitely have media attention. Um, that that comes with you know. Playing on South Beach that you maybe you don't have when you go to a place like uh Phoenix. I think the one thing I will say, and I said this to you off air when we talked about this the first time, like I don't know what's gonna happen in terms of whether or not Phoenix will win a title or not, but I you know one thing: I will not care if Kevin Durant wins another title in Phoenix. Like to me, like any other championship he wins is just like cool, like great for him, like great that he, and especially if he plays well, I'm sure he will play well. But, like, the fact that this Brooklyn thing, like, ended so badly, and that it ended, it's so weird how the, the, the narrative is getting remixed to make it sound like, oh, but he was, like, this great teammate, and he probably was, but, like, he brought in the knucklehead element to the organization that eventually tanked the organization, like, I think th- like, that's not getting played up enough. Like He was a guy that you said we should hire this bozo Steve Nash. He's a guy that said you should. I want to come with Kyrie Irving. He's a guy that said we should trade for James Harden and get rid of all these other good young players, the reason why you allegedly came to Brooklyn. He's a guy that said, okay, we got to get rid of James Harden because he couldn't on the team, and Ben Simmons is a viable option as a guy you could trade for. Like He brought in a complete knucklehead element, and he could be the greatest guy in the world, but that doesn't change anything about in terms of, of 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 what he brought to the net organization beyond just his um his, his awesome skill set so this idea that people want to kind of paint this old kevin durant was still a good guy and he didn't go through the media with this last trade request like they, they, the nets are even kind of like participating in this like character um kind of like 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 this character picture they're trying to paint of kd that is not accurate like, like he, 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 he brought the knucklehead element in, then he couldn't deal with it, like probably most sane people, and then he quit. That's what happened. Like, it, it, he played hard, Like he didn't quit necessarily on in terms of the effort he gave, but he gave up. He gave up that this could work, and it was his fault that it didn't work. Because if he brought in more sane people, and he didn't push for things that were terrible ideas, maybe it would have worked out in Brooklyn. So him to go to now another team and win a championship, that's just him helping Devin Booker win a ring. That's just him helping Chris Paul get his first championship. That's how I would see it. I would not see it as, oh, KD rose up to the occasion and he took some other team. to. That's not what happened. This happens. This is just him going to another talented team and a team that already has leadership in place. So that he don't got to do anything in terms of leadership or getting everybody on the same page. All you got to do is come out, show up at 7.30 Mountain Time and put up 30 and go home. Like, I'm not giving you, like, credit for that. Like... You, all right, if you do it, congratulations! You're a great basketball player. You're still one of the top twenty players, probably of all time. But we're not talking about you in this class of the absolute all time greats. Like this would be the most meaningless title of any superstar in a long time. If he wins this year in Phoenix, uh,
1: I you know I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always you know I've always been big on the. I got to see how this stuff happens. Uh,
0: I I mean. I, agree I mean, with, and I would agree uh, with that. I mean, I'm like, if you tell me Devin Booker, you know, yeah. tears his hamstring and now he's he really is right, carrying right. Phoenix, all right? Then I'll give him some credit. But like, right. if this goes how we think it could go, which in in, in Kevin Durant's eyes it would go, is he joins this team with a lot of talent and him and Devin Booker are just lighting it up and they and find a way to you know get one of these teams out of here and they go to the NBA Finals and they win it all. I mean, congratulations, but like, I'm just not gonna be impressed and it's not gonna mean anything to his legacy for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think in his mind, he thinks that he's almost like LeBron, you know, and that, like, oh, you crazy. Know, I'd have another title, and another team, and, but,
0: yeah. LeBron went to two different know. other places that were hapless and won. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, and, like, you know me, like, I'm not someone who, like, gives LeBron, like, the most flowers, though. Shout out to LeBron James for that amazing accomplishment of the... All time NBA scorer list. I mean, that's just incredible that he passed Kareem' a record. I didn't think that'd be broken. Like, but like, I'm keeping it in a hundred. Like, LeBron went to two other places that were hapless and won championships. He brought some guys with him to do yeah. it, but he still did it. Like, th- this ain't that. <laughs> this is him doing this. basically no. didn't what he did with the Golden State Warriors. He's joining another team that already has a nucleus. Yeah, that he views as the best spot to go to in the West. Right. You the know, team that man. was the number one seed the previous season he's joining, just like he did when he joined the Warriors. I'm like, yeah. I gave you, like, I don't know I gave you a mulligan, I gave you crap for it, but like, you know, I respect the fact that you won one of those two titles, you won two finals MVPs. We're not doing this again. I'm not going to sit here and try to argue with people saying, oh, well, you got to give him respect. No, I'm not doing that. Like, I already did that for you. you doing this again? Alright, cool. Those, those uh, egg face, you know, people on Twitter that want to get at KD and say that he's not a real uh, elite all-time legend, I'm not defending him anymore. Like, I'll go ahead. You fight him yourself, KD. I'm not doing it.
1: Yeah, I mean I I really I mean I just want to see how this how this plays out because um on paper, they're the best team in the West. Uh but some would argue that they were the best team in the West before. They got KD and they hadn't played like it. And No. Some would argue that the Nets should have been a top two or three team in the East and they weren't playing like it, you know, like, so I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what what we'll get a real clearer picture of what is Kevin Durant's impact uh, now in at this stage of his career. And should he have been traded for more? Uh, Is this a steal? Because, again, like I said, if the Suns propel this into a title this could go down as the biggest heist in <laughs> midseason NBA trade history. Yeah, uh, this yeah. Could, this could look like the KG trade, KG to Boston trade, where you're like, we gave up, we gave up that, you know. And it's not like obviously Mikhail Bridges is better than Gerald Green, but like just in terms of this team just gave us one of the five or ten best
0: players in the league. You know, there's one thing though. They gotta uh, find, <laughs> they gotta find some guys in the in the buyout market, because I mean. Look at the guys they well, just played they, on, don't have they, play, they got they just played on Friday. I mean, besides, you know, you know, Aiton, Paul, and Booker, you know, Josh Kogi's getting thirty five minutes, uh, Torrey and Craig is getting uh Tory getting thirty six minutes, uh, Ish Wainwright getting twenty six minutes, Saban Lee's getting seventeen minutes, Jock Landell's getting fourteen, uh, uh Damian Lee's getting twenty one minutes, like these guys aren't these guys aren't NBA championship, NBA Finals kind of players. I'm sorry. Like, they got to find some guys. They got yeah. to find some guys. I don't yeah. know where they're going to find them. Uh, you know, campaign didn't pay. Of course, he had the spring foot. But, and shammy didn't play because he's sore as well. Maybe those guys, you know, you add those guys to the rotation, maybe they're fine. But, like, I just don't think you add KD to that and then say, okay, we're beating some of the best teams in the NBA. If you do, then I'm wrong. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say I'm wrong. But they have no depth. They have no depth. <laughs> they got to figure out the rest of this roster. And they gonna have to do it with, you know, minimum salary, pro rate salary type guys for the rest of the way. It's gonna be fascinating. Um, other trades that happened that were big, the Lakers trade. Uh, they get they got rid of that tragic point guard trio of Russell Westbrook, uh Patrick Beverly, and you know, weeks ago they got rid of uh of uh Kendrick Nunn. And in these trades they made, they made in the in the uh in the trade deadline, they got back in a three-team trade with the Jazz and the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared uh Jared Vanderbilt. They gave a first round pick of 2027 to make that deal happen. They also uh brought in Mo Bamba in a trade that sent uh Patrick Beverly to Orlando. We I know we differ on this. I really liked what the Lakers did. I can't say I loved it because you know we understand that once you give a first round pick, you can't give trade your pick every other year. This is now another two years where they can't trade a first their own first round pick. But I think they got a a quality group of players and rotation guys who should contribute. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is better than Russell Westbrook for sure, and definitely better than you know the guys they had starting, Schroeder and, and and Patrick Beverly. Jared Vanderbilt provides athleticism, provides defense. He's a younger player. Um, he's going to contribute. They have several guys on this team now with Vanderbilt, Beasley, who can hit shots. Uh, Mo Bamba now uh, a big man who's who's respectable, a guy who can start or a guy who can come off the bench. And they added Rudy Hachimura a couple of weeks ago. Like they, now they got real players. Like they look, at, they you, the, you look at their roster now. And you say, okay, these are now viable NBA players. I don't love that you don't have a first round pick you could trade for five years. But at least this looks like a real team. Now, I know they got they got every game going to be crucial down the stretch. You only have about a quarter of the season to go, and they're not necessarily in the greatest position to make the playoffs. So there is some gamble there. But I think there's a good chance they can still make it. You know, the Jazz obviously lost their point guard in Mike Conley in that trade. Uh, they, they lost some pieces, so they're not necessarily going to maybe hold on to that 10th spot. You know, uh, the Trailblazers lost Josh Hart, who we'll talk about probably soon as well. So, though, Cam Reddish was really good in his first game in Portland. So there, there could be some wiggle room for them to find a way to get to that playing spot. And if they find a way to get into the play-in and then they get to the playoffs, then, I mean, I think that that would be considered a success. Like, nobody thought the Lakers could make the playoffs before the season started. Now, I think you say, okay, they're going to have a shot. Um, they got to play good ball and they got to get LeBron back healthy. He's been missing some games with this foot-ankle situation that I think may be more troublesome than he's putting on and letting on. So we'll see. But I, I I had nothing but decent thing to say about the Lakers trade. I thought that the fact that they got kind of bailed out of, uh, you know, roster roster formation hell again. Like we've seen this so many times the Lakers where it seems like, all right, they're cooked. There's no way they can improve their team. And somehow three or four decent players happen to just fall into their lap. It feels like they felt like that again. Like I felt like I was watching this thing happen all over again. and I was annoyed by it. So I was cool with what the Lakers did, but I know that you may uh, disagree with me on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's sort of like the Nets, where it, it's not that I don't like, it's different than the Nets, but it's, it's not that I don't like the players individually. Uh, I mean, you know, I've long been a big fan of Rui Hachimura. Thought he was sort of that guy that you could kind of... Uh, in the right situation outside of Washington could be a real, uh, sleeper piece for a team. Uh, I don't know if the Lakers are the right situation, but I mean, it's where we're at now. Um, I think, I think it's a good situation for him. Uh, you know, from a cultural standpoint, I just, I just don't know if, you know, they're going to, if it's the right fit from a basketball standpoint, but, um, but I, but, you know, the the Malik Beasley's of the world, the Jared Vanderbilt's of the world, even Mo Bombo, sort of in that Rui space of being a former lottery pick who uh, hasn't worked on his team, but has tools uh, that could help a good team. That's the problem with this with these
0: deals is that I think all these guys could help good teams. I just don't know if the Lakers are that. Um, well, they're not that and, now. I think the so, problem is you wonder if those guys as a collection could make the Lakers should, a good team. Yeah. Right. And if you get healthy... Get You know, if AD's playing at a
1: super high level, which he was when he was healthy, if, you know, you get LeBron back healthy um, and playing at a high level, can you, again, like you said, make the case that this, you know, is a a pretty good team and that these guys help solidify that? Maybe. But, like, I don't know if this is like the Mavericks making the move for Kyrie, where it's like a last-ditch, you know— ploy to see if we can win a championship because i don't know if this laker team winning a title the way it's comprised well well they're further away there
0: were they're further away from dallas i mean with dallas they were you know they went to the conference finals last season they lost jaylen and didn't replace him so they took a step back but you know you knew they were still kind of they were in the ballpark of being a team that could win a title maybe with one move we don't know if this is the move that's going to be the one because of how erratic Kyrie is but we'll see the Lakers, they—they were not one. I mean, they didn't make one move. This is three moves now that they've made to, to get themselves to be just a good team or a decent team. So it's—it's a—it's a—it's a lot more of a leap they're trying to make with this than Dallas was trying to make.
1: Right. And 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 when you're—I mean, when you're doing that, that's 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 the concern. Is why I you, I could argue I don't have as big a problem with what Dallas is doing because they're trying to win a championship. And I think the Lakers are just saying we just wanna make playoffs. We just want to be in the mix. Uh because obviously any year where LeBron at this stage of his career is not playing in the playoffs is a waste is a wasted season. But I you could also argue that this team is like the Tampa Bay Bucks with Tom Brady this past season, where it's like, yeah, I mean you'll you'll be in the mix for now,
0: but you know, if if it anyway when, uh, when, when you guys play against the real teams it's gonna be it's gonna be yeah. A,
1: yeah, exactly. And then Which is was, what we saw with the Bucks. Right. And if this ends in a first round exit, I mean all these moves were good enough to get you out of the playing game, but um or to help get you past the playing game, but wasn't wasn't enough to to, to win a full playoff series or win two playoff series. Um but I honestly I think that they just feel like sort of like the the Kyrie thing where if you told me we have LeBron and we've got AD, that we've got a shot. I don't know if that's the case. You know, uh, I saw a team that had Kyrie and Kevin Durant last year get swept. You know, it was by a team that ended up going to the finals and two games away from winning a championship. But I, I just, I don't know. I feel like this team runs into the Clippers and they run into – uh if they run into the, the Suns or they run into one of these, these top teams in the West, that uh Denver, Memphis, they're just going to get run out, run out of the gym. But they're trying to give themselves the chance. Again, I don't hate the pieces that, you know, Malik Beasley is very much like the guys that they've had success with, the KCPs of the world, the J.R. Smiths of the world, the guys that LeBron's had success with. He's arguably a better version of those guys. Um, But, and Jared Vanderbilt's a, you know, a guy that I think has sort of been – you know overlooked given his skill set that that his skill set is is uniquely designed to be playing on a playoff team and be playing on a team where you know he's that dirty work junkyard dog kind of guy yeah um but and it, but he's been in lesser roles on good teams or he's been you know greater roles on not great teams but but, yeah, no, the problem is that this Laker team just isn't it, – it, it, it's not good. So, I don't know. I don't know if this moves the needle that much.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now they're two and a half back as we record this podcast of the 10th spot, who which is held by Utah, a team that, you know, again, did lose some guys. So, I'm not necessarily thinking that they are a lot to keep that spot. But then they got to jump two teams. You got to jump Portland who, you know, traded Josh Hart to the Knicks for Cam Reddish in a first-round pick. You gotta jump Oklahoma City, who still has, you know, Shea Gills-Alexander, a 30-point scorer. So, I mean, it's gonna be, it's not necessarily gonna be a cakewalk at all, you know. And then, teams that are ahead of Utah, you know, that are now, you know, three and a half up on the Lakers, tied for 7-9, Warriors, Pelicans, Timberwolves, I don't think they jump any of those teams at all. So, it's, gonna be a tight race it's gonna be a tight race uh i think that the lakers now a viable team the one thing i will say too is the hope also i think is that you make this trade and okay maybe this season is a wash because you started off so miserably but you you start next season with these guys essentially i don't think any of these guys are free agents if if i'm forgive me if i'm wrong but i think all these guys um oh Daniel russell could be a free agent and they could sign him now that's the other problem too like when you're a team like the lakers like they had no cap room they had no way to to bring in anybody so like they they got to make some trades to get guys in who they can then sign <laughs> the deals to be their players moving forward so like i, I there's some right. there's me to some degree where it's like okay some of these guys now you could move forward and say okay this season won't work but we know next season lebron should still be here so maybe we make a move and make a run there or maybe make we consolidate these guys and Make a trade with somebody else to bring in. They're not gonna bring in a star, but bringing another good player. You know, I, I think that this is them moving in the right direction from where they were. Uh, but but we know that it's a tall. It's a tall climb from where they are because they're so far away from being um, a championship contender. Some of these other moves that that happened, like I, I thought the Clippers had a good trade deadline. Bones Highland, that kid must have been a knucklehead in Denver because the fact that he only went for two second rounders tells me that he must have been just. He must have been a terror. I don't know what to say because the guy has talent, and we've seen him. I've watched him take over games for the Denver Nuggets, but they just wanted him out of the locker room. It seems like so now he goes to, to the Clippers. Um, he is a dynamite scorer, and I think he'll help them coming off the bench potentially. You got Eric Gordon, a guy who's a one a you know borderline. You could maybe make the case a Clipper legend, right? I mean. No, I was just about
1: to make the joke. The Clippers, Clippers, great. <laughs> yeah, Clip like I mean, it's not Eric like the Clippers Gordon.
0: have a great history. I mean, he was there, and he was a really good player for them. Like, before yeah, he, top, he...
1: Top 20 Clipper of all time.
0: Yeah, yeah, the guy, yeah, the guy was a 22-point scorer in his last season in uh, L.A. So, but like, uh, at a time like, when his numbers weren't...
1: Is, is, is Jamal Crawford a better Clipper than
0: Eric Gordon? I think so, because Crawford was there longer... So I'd say and yes. Was on better teams, yes, and was on much better teams. But, but, but what you two, You said, probably. "What do you call my top twenty Clipper?" I didn't think I don't think that that's crazy. Yeah, it, it's yeah. borderline, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make the list of Clipper players, but yeah, I mean, kind of like
1: accomplishments. Yeah, Look I mean, his three, like, yeah, Chris came in is probably higher than Eric Gordon. Yeah, I mean, Plus his three years, his three know. years
0: of the Clippers, he averaged 18 points a game, shot 45 percent from the field. Almost thirty eight percent from three. Like he was a good player there. So, so it's kind of ironic. It's kind of crazy. I kind of forgot he played for them. <laughs> He's in the league for a long time, and when I keep saying, "Oh, Eric Gordon," and when we got traded, I was like, "Why does this like sound kind of like familiar?" And then you know everybody's like, oh, "Eric, Eric's coming home." I'm like, "Oh, that's right. He started his career with the Clippers. Had a really yeah. good rookie year. Averaged sixteen points as a rookie. Like, um, they bring in Eric Gordon. They bring in uh, Mason Plumley, who I think." Maybe having one of the more like under the radar, really good seasons for guys playing or who are playing on miserable teams. Like obviously the the Hornets are easy one of the worst teams in the NBA. But Plumlee's passing, Plumlee's scoring around the basket. He's shooting almost sixty seven percent from the field, on uh, averaging twelve points a game. He's averaging almost ten rebounds. He's averaging almost four assists. He's having a great season, and they had to give up something because I don't think Reggie. Jackson's a bum. Like, I kind of was surprised they were willing to give up on give up on him so easy. I know they had probably spotted. I thought you're gonna see John Wall. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not surprised <laughs> they gave up on John Wall. That I'm not surprised about. That would have probably surprised you if I said that. I am surprised they gave up on Reggie Jackson, who had been a, a really good playoff player for them. So but they got something back. You know, Plumley's really gonna help them. I think in some ways Plumlee could play that. That Isaiah Hartenstein role that Hartenstein is not playing with the Knicks. The Knicks are misusing him, but uh, but a role that the Clippers desperately uh, are missing this season. So the Clippers made some interesting moves. They're not a team. There are some people who are more bullish on them as a actual championship contender than I was. I'm not sure I believe in the idea that you could like have players playing basically like a part time schedule all season, and you could just keep them on ice, and then they'll just be ready by the time uh, you know April, May, June come. Like that's essentially what's been happening with. Kawhi Leonard much this season. Uh, Paul George missed a lot of time too. I just think you need the reps to play in these games. Even however, whatever you think of the NBA regular season, whether you think it's terrible or great, I think you need the reps to play in these games consistently um, and go through the reps of these games. I think to just say you could just skip half of them for Kawhi Leonard and skip 25 center from Paul George just to keep them healthy and all some of those other older guys like Wall and some of those guys that were that were getting a lot of rest time. I don't know if that's a recipe to ever win a championship. You know, the Raptors did it once with only one guy. uh, And he was playing a lot more than he is now with Quiet Leonard. So I was never that high on the Clippers this season. But I did like these moves. And the Western Conference, that is a little open. They do give me intrigue in terms of what they could be moving forward. I do feel like they still need a point guard, obviously. Now, they like a man at point we'll see how that goes man like i know they got two guys in Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard who you think would be able to bail you out in late game situations because they're you know offensive shot creation but typically we've seen like in those crunch time games like you need a guy that can get you organized and they really don't have a guy on the roster now they apparently wanted Russell Westbrook but it sounds like he's going to go to Chicago so that's probably my one thing that's kind of really Keeping me from saying, "All right, the Clippers really can win a championship," but I thought these were good moves. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I like the Clippers' moves as well. Uh, I thought it was funny. You look at the Clippers' graphic, the the welcome back Eric Gordon. I mean, it, it, it this might be one of the craziest ones I've ever seen because he's wearing the the it was like a rookie year picture. Of him wearing the Darius Miles, you know, Elton Brand Clippers jersey. And I'm like, man, that's like, that was like three yeah, Clippers. Yeah, jerseys it's crazy. It's like, yeah, it's like, I was going say, it's three, <laughs> three jerseys ago Clippers. <laughs> and I'm, shows you how old this guy is. But, um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I feel like, uh, they, they made some, some, some moves. Uh, and I think also Eric Gordon, you know, has kind of been, you know, on ice a little bit in Houston, you know, the last couple yeah. of years, just, Biding his time before he was before he you got you know getting healthy and getting ready to play in meaningful basketball games, but uh, I think people are gonna kind of remember his impact again. It goes back to that that thing I always say of a, of a guy like Eric Gordon, a role player. You put him on a good team in meaningful basketball games, it's gonna look better than he has, you know. Yeah. Doing whatever
0: he's been doing in Houston. Yeah, the last um, few years in Houston, he's been out there just breaking a sweat. He, <laughs> he yeah, well, he yeah, hasn't yeah, been well, out there. at cardio. Yeah, he's getting cardio. He's not actually trying to play like a guy trying to win a championship. So I think they'll be. It will be cool to see uh, what he could bring to the table now that he's on a much better team. I, I like the move the Knicks made. I, I you know I talked about it on on the Orange and Blue Plus podcast. That's a podcast I host for WFAN and Odyssey Sports with our NBA writer Tommy Beer. Josh Hart, I think, is a guy is that kind of guy the Knicks need. I think the Knicks now are in a position where they sit in the seventh seed in the East that they could potentially make a move up in the standings and find a way to get that one of those top six spots. Jalen Brunson's having an incredible year. Uh, Julius Randle's having an incredible year. He was named an all-star. Jalen Brunson should be an all-star, by the way. It's a travesty that he still has not been named an all-star, even with some of the replacements that have been named. But um, Josh Hart gives him physicality, gives him toughness. He gives him ability to play smaller now because he's such a good rebounder. Um, great locker room guy, great character guy. He's the kind of guy I want on the team that is going to be playing in April. So uh, I like this move. Uh, Cam Reddish just didn't work out here. I know he still has his fans in the fandom. He has his old Cam Hive that are, still won't get, let go of the fact that this coach won't play him or didn't play him. And I, I, I'm not a Tibbs guy at all. So I'm not going to be here to sit here and defend Tibbs. I just feel like that ship has sailed at this point. I'm surprised that people are still clamoring about you know, what Cam Reddish is going to do. OP hope he had success in uh, Portland, his first game there. He looked really good. I just don't think that he would have been a reliable, really viable player come postseason time for the Knicks. Even if he did get a lot of playing time I and mean, things were different. So Hart to me is. So I, I'm not going to, you know, cry of a spill of milk that Cam Reyes didn't get the opportunity. I do think he deserved in New York. It was unfortunate that that didn't happen. How did you uh, look at the Josh Hart move?
1: I mean, the Josh Hart move, I mean, it's a move to get a guy who's a, who's a – you know, perfect kind of Tom Thibodeau player. Uh, I expect many a night he'll play 43 minutes, you know, and, uh, in a 48 minute game, you know, the regulation, the overtime. Uh, he's obviously an excellent defensive player, brings toughness, uh, size, rebounding, um, can shoot it a little bit, at, you know, um, you're bringing him in for a guy that wasn't really playing and didn't fit in Cam Reddish. Um, obviously, there's going to be an inherent chemistry with, with, with Jalen Brunson. Uh, a little unfortunate to see uh, Arch go, uh, you know, because if you're a Villanova fan, that would cool have been cool That It would have been cool to have
0: all those Villanova guys on the same team. But um, well, we saw Mikael Bridges still, when he was yeah. asked about playing in Barclay. He said, yeah, I love playing at MSG. So <laughs> maybe there's something in the works for the future there. That's why, um,
1: but yeah, no, uh, and I think this is a move where you know the Knicks are saying they're trying to trying to compete, and one could argue, you know, I'm I'm being contradictory and saying, you know, well Lakers are trying to compete and it's a waste of time, but the Knicks trying to compete's a decent move, but I just, think I, it's I just feel like, yeah, I, I think it's different because I I just think that there's different priorities for franchises at different times in your timeline. It's not like the Lakers are. It's not the Lakers, the Lakers timeline is is LeBron. So I get that, you know. But LeBron's timeline and LeBron's focus is on winning championships, and it's just that's not going to happen with what they did. So it doesn't matter. Like the difference the difference between being the eight seed and the nine seed or the eight seed and the eleven seed isn't really that big a deal if you're getting bounced in the first round anyway. Versus you know, I think it's a big deal for the Knicks to get back to the playoffs and compete, have a guy that can help you in those moments. Um, I think the East is, it's not wide open in the sense that they're going to win it, but it's, it's, it's open enough that they can go out there and try and win a playoff series. Uh, it'd be, be a surprise, but if you're going to go in there against a team like Philly, you're going to need a guy who can guard James Harden. You know, if you're going to, if you wind up having to play Boston in the first round, you're going to need guys who can guard Tatum and Brown and, yeah. you know, Hart, is gonna be one of the best guys you know in the mar- on the market to do that. And he's a guy that fits the locker room, he fits the culture, he fits the coach. So uh with all that being said, I think that uh, it's a it's it's a good move. Um and and obviously this isn't a regime that's super you know, high on you know, rookies, you know, and drafting.
0: So yeah, and they have two first round picks this year. So like the yeah, go out, like one. that goes out, you know, they have the Dallas pick still, and we'll see if that becomes worse now because Kyrie's there. I, I don't know what's gonna happen in terms of where they stand. They may just—I kind of tend to think they're gonna just be where they are. I don't—I'll I don't, be surprised if they just leap up in the standings because Kyrie Irving's there. So like uh, they're gonna have a first round pick anyway, a pick that was close to where they were with their own pick. I don't think bringing in two rookies was going to be the answer regardless of where this team was. So, yeah, they're going to have a first-round pick. We'll see what they do with Dallas' pick, whether they keep that, whether they draft a guy. Um, but, yeah, I, I, did, I actually was happy they gave up this year. I, I didn't want them to give up future picks. Like I think the fact that they the future is still intact, they could trade the 2024 pick um, or keep their picks, obviously, moving forward. that It doesn't really affect anything in, in terms of— any other future moves they move down, they may they may make down the road. Uh, I think that that's a good job by them. Um, <laughs> but just an update quickly on the on the uh, Eric, excuse me, the uh, Gary Payton situation. I know you said that we may get an answered tonight. It turns out there's a deadline set for uh, Sunday night now. Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern is the deadline for the Warriors to determine whether or not they want to keep a injured Gary Payton II. who was part of a 14 trade that sent. Um, James Wiseman to Detroit and sent Gary Payton back to Golden State even though they decided not to sign him this offseason he's supposed to go back but they found out he had some terrible muscle tear in his abdomen and that would probably sideline him for three months which is way too long for Tina's in need of help right now so you'll probably know before we do whether or not he actually will stay with the Golden State Warriors but I really didn't like this move anyway I really thought they should have kept Sadiq Bay in this four-team deal. I, it just seemed like bad asset management. Like, this is a guy you could have signed, and you didn't want to go into the luxury tax to sign him. And now you're giving up a guy who drafted number two, albeit it looks like a terrible mistake. But a guy who drafted number two in James Wiseman to get a guy that you could have re-signed, who didn't want to leave. He talked about that when he was on the way out. He said that, you know, Portland's not a place people really are trying to go right now, and I'm happy to be going back to the Bay. Like, this is a guy who didn't even want to leave so i i don't think that this was necessarily a good job by bob myers we'll have to see what happens if he ends up going back to portland portland said that they would gladly take him back uh shame on portland though because you hear the stories about how they've been giving him these injections uh and telling him that he had just played through the pain that he actually wasn't yeah, injured yeah they tore it all. A, it, Yeah, it's nasty work man it, it's nasty work sounds like it sounds like the uh los angeles charger Doctors that were working on Tyrod Taylor found their way uh, <laughs> to Portland because, like that, that's that's terrible, you know. So shame on them and, for that. And, shame on them for not telling the, the Warriors the the uh, yeah I mean his injury. It, Just shame all it's around. A,
1: it, it's a crazy game in terms of the, you know, in terms of the especially the we talk about the trade part of it because, you know, when you when you think back to it, you. you Obviously, the the I think in the Blazers' mind, they're probably you're probably thinking to yourself, obviously the Warriors might not do this trade if they know the extent of the injury, which is fair. And maybe you just say to yourself, just bow out. But there's also the aspect where they may have said to themselves, look, if we if we if we kind of push this on them a little bit, you know, go go through with this. Like now the Warriors are caught in a hard place where maybe they just have to deal with it, you know, like All right, yeah. You know, like, now that it's public and you've already made the deal, uh, are you going to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak, and try and trade and try and bring back James Wiseman? And, you know, Sadiq Bay? now goes back to Detroit, and it just becomes a mess, and the Hawks now feel like they're screwed because they thought yeah. they were going to get a piece that was going to really help them and yep. has a lot of upside. Um, like, I mean, personally, I like... This might be controversial. I mean, you could argue Sadiq Bay. I, I I I like Bridges more than I like Sadiq Bey Bay, Mikael Bridges, but um, yeah, Bridges. But I, I like him better than, than the other guys they got. Uh, I like him better than Finney Smith. I like him
0: better than uh, Marshall I don't like Collins. him better than Finney Smith. Can't disagree with that. I disagree with that. <laughs> I disagree with all of that. That's fair. I, uh, That's- Finney Smith is a way better defender than Sadiq Bay, and he 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 Man. may be a better shooter. Um, Cam Johnson is definitely a better shooter. None of those Michael guys are as clear. good, none of those guys are as good in terms of shot creation maybe, but I, I would not want to be paid over those guys. I disagree with that. You I don't even know where to go. From that. To I just, just don't,
1: I don't over a over a 29-year-old Dorian Finney-Smith for the Nets.
0: I mean, I think Dorian Finney-Smith right. is better. I think he I think he contributes to wins more. I guess you know. I feel like I feel like Bay is gonna fair. have to turn himself into a Dorian Finney-Smith type player in order to be a guy who's gonna be able to contribute to winning, where Dorian Finney-Smith is already yeah. there.
1: And I think what's interesting about Bay is, I think it it sort of goes back to the thing where maybe I just think he has more upside on a good team than he did playing in the wasteland that is Detroit. You know. And that, you know, you put him in a in a good spot. I was
0: actually kind of upset the Warriors rerouted him. To I mean, that <laughs> I, I agree with, a, with. I a, thought the Warriors uh, should have kept him. I thought he helped. was a great fit for the Warriors. I, I don't disagree with that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just I you don't know. think that he's better so, than the guys you named though. I think he's got a higher upside,
1: uh than what we've seen obviously from him in Detroit. But what? but no, yeah, I mean it's it's a messy situation. Uh Detroit, I, I don't know. I mean Obviously, I like James Wiseman. He's a Memphis guy. Uh sounds like their plan is to play him heavy minutes. Uh, which obviously if you're gonna you know, you're making this deal, you're trading, you know, one of your one of your young core guys, you're you're bringing in a guy that you expect to be uh a guy that's gonna play. But you already have a young franchise center in Galen Dern, who I also love, obviously, another Memphis guy. But uh, I mean, those guys. I don't know if it's a fit, not in today's NBA, uh, unless Wiseman uh, uh, severely improves as a offensive scorer, uh, and a perimeter guy, uh, which he's shown flashes of it in his career, but that's that's not the it's uh, not the main part of his game. I don't know. I, I I think that this was a weird deal. I think this just Troy Weaver being a fan of James Wiseman as a player. Yeah, he's feeling, And that's something that we've heard over the years, that he's been a big fan of James Wiseman, so it's not like it's a shock that they're making this move now. You already have Marvin Bagley in your team as well. Uh, just it, it just doesn't feel like it makes sense. Um, but neither did drafting Jay Knight when you've got Cade Cunningham and Gillian Hayes, but, you know, and uh, we'll see where they wind up drafting, but, you know, <laughs> They 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 wound up getting Victor, you know, now you've got eight centers and, and three four, eight point guards. Like they probably should have drafted Benedict Matherin. Uh and obviously now you've got a point guard and Cade who's hurt. I don't know, they're in a weird spot. Uh but nothing they can do about it. Um they they're just trying to accumulate talent and try and figure out which guy is thick. It kinda looks like Orlando. But you know, I just, I think Orlando just feels better about their spot, better about their situation than Detroit does right now. And it's not because Orlando's got better players. But I just mm-hmm. think, I don't know, their young players are, are playing more, you know? Like Durin's the guy that Detroit might feel best about. Not necessarily that he's the best guy, but that he's played, he's exceeded expectations more so than the other guys
0: have. Any other trades that I think were of note. Like I mean, uh, you know, Milwaukee got Jay Crowder for essentially nothing. I think that was a good move sending him back to Milwaukee, plays college ball there. Uh, I like that move. A, a move that kind of went under the radar, and I'm actually curious what you think about it. Was the fact that Matisse Thybul end up going to Portland, and because uh, they kind of expanded that Knicks deal that included Josh Hart. And the Sixers end up getting back Jalen McDaniels. Um, Thybul had a tough time getting minutes where he was, and Jalen McDaniels is a guy who has had a pretty good season, and I think a guy who could probably help them give them some versatility in the front court. Um, that was an interesting move. I feel like that's kind of going under the radar.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Thybul, like you said, sort of been on the on the chopping block for a minute now. Uh, there's a lot of word that Sacramento really wanted him, but that never uh, that never went through. It almost at the time made it seem as if Philly just didn't want to trade him. Now it just seems like Sacramento wasn't willing to play ball with yeah. whatever the asking price was. Uh, didn't have what Philly wanted, but um, yeah, I mean, Jalen McDaniels is an interesting piece because, like you said, he. he, he, he kind of has that James Ennis body type that James Ennis uh um you know feel so I, you know you feel like it, could he fit into that role a little bit um on a, on a playoff team uh i i mean i i thought uh what's interesting is that for guys like a guy like Thiebel, uh guy like Bones Highland you know, these are guys, like you said, weren't playing, you know, Cam Reddish guy. I think we're seeing a, a, a more and higher frequency guys that are sometimes maybe even on good teams, but aren't getting the minutes that they want. Just, you know, being like, I don't want to be here anymore. You know? Yeah. And I don't know if that, it just felt like that didn't happen as much in the year, at least not as publicly. You know, I mean, Peyton Pritchard came out recently. Yeah. He like, yeah, he's you know, time. I want to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to start playing. You know, I feel like I could play in this league, you know? and <laughs> I, you know, and very similar to Bones Island, and uh, not as demonstrative, maybe, but it's it's like a new era. It feels like where these guys
0: don't care about you know, uh, as the famous Drake, the, fa- the famous Drake line, uh, bench players talking like they starters.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the famous Drake line, bench I mean, players that, talking like yeah. starters. That, that's what's happening, you that's, know. with Guys making demands, who guys who aren't necessarily guys who uh, have a lot of cachet. We saw Jake Crowder. Yeah, Jake Crowder Crowder was weird because he was saying that he thought he was saying that. Oh, I didn't say I wouldn't play for them. They just sent me home and they didn't bring me back. So I I don't know what the deal was with Jake Crowder in that situation. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, Jalen McDaniels and Fields. I think that's uh, Philly. I think that's a. uh, a uh, piece that i think will be worth watching they need some athleticism in their in their on their bench like when i i, I picked philly to go to come out of the east uh i don't feel great or bad about it it's just kind of we'll see how it goes i guess they haven't made me give me more confidence <laughs> with how they played of late but like i think they that when i see you know george Nian can shoot but he's so slow and they don't really have anybody who comes up the bench besides maxi who's really not an athlete he's more of just a quick scorer who kind of Shakes up the game with, with, with their athleticism. I think McDaniels maybe could help with that a little bit. Uh your guys, the Celtics got Mike Muscala. Um maybe give him a stretch five there, give him some a depth when it came to uh some of their, their front court guys. We know those guys have gotten uh hurt a bunch um over the last year. Um there was one other move I wanted to mention real quick. Oh, we we kinda didn't mention what the hell Toronto is doing. Now they got Yaka Purdo. San Antonio giving up Pirtle. San Antonio got a first-round pick for him. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Toronto kind of bungled this trade deadline. They have a lot of players who it sounds like they have they have decent value in this league. And the, Ray, uh, the, the, the Raptors are not in a position right now mm-hmm. to where they're probably going to make a run in the playoffs if they even make the playoffs right now. They're outside of the play-in tournament. It just seems like a missed opportunity to keep all those guys on the team and not make a move. And to, and to make a move in a buyer's situation where you're saying we're going to take a Jacoperto and give up a first-round pick. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I mean, Yaka Pertol, uh, this is only, To me, like, this is quickly, this is almost a move to me you make, like, before the season. Because we knew they didn't have a center. Like, we knew that was – like, they, they decided they were going to play this way. And it worked for the regular season, didn't work in the playoffs – and like they didn't do anything to like change that. They said we're going to play this way again. We are going to play all wing guys essentially. Like it hasn't worked it hasn't worked this season and now they're making a trade but it's like yo, it's too late now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I you know, I think it's 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 I, this is a rare situation where you have a guy that you
0: drafted not that long ago that you Yeah, a guy you traded away right. and now This was like the trade deadline Same of re- reunions. reunions. You had you know, you know, Gordon going to the Clippers, Purdo going to the Raptors. It was very weird. Some Deandre Russell yeah. going back to the Lakers. Like a lot of you know, didn't going back to Brooklyn. Like a lot of these, a lot of people didn't need to do any. Um, they didn't have to have any Photoshop jersey swaps. You could just take old pictures of these guys.
1: Yeah, And this is the same regime. In in this case, you know, like you know, D'Lo. You could say, oh well, that was. You know that was magic that got rid of him. You know now <laughs> yeah. this is you know. Now remember Cleveland magic was like Charles. remember magic
0: traded him. Magic's like we need a leader. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah,
1: it was Lonzo Ball. Yeah, Lonzo <laughs> Ball, <too>. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever, <laughs> who
0: hasn't hasn't
1: been seen in Chicago in two years. Um, <laughs> he's like we need a leader. The leader that the Lakers needed. Uh, you know, obviously Eric Gordon, but like this was, you know, this is a guy Masai drafted him. You know, and is now. Uh, moving on from not bringing him back, but yeah, I mean he's a, I mean he's a coveted guy. I know Celtics, you know, kind of kicked you tired of him a little bit. Um, but like you said, I it, this is this is one of those moves where you're trying to keep yourself afloat, trying to keep yourself relevant. Once I think they decided that they weren't moving OG and they're not moving Van Vliet and some of those guys, I think they they pivoted to wow, we gotta you know our team competitive uh and I think that this does help them but um how much is the question uh they're also sort of a scrappy dangerous team they don't necessarily want to play um but I don't know I mean I don't this doesn't make them a contender uh but they've got they've got playoff experience uh that should definitely be that should definitely help them come April
0: man I can't wait for playoffs man I know, I mean, I don't know why. Maybe because the Knicks are good. Um, but, like, you know, I hear all this crap about how so much NBA regular season sucks so much. I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, to me, it's like if you hate the NBA regular season so much, I don't know if you're really a basketball fan or maybe you just don't like the way basketballs played now. Like, I, I don't think that it's so much worse than it's been uh, in the past 10 years at least. You know, um, we do have guys that are sitting out games. But also, a lot of guys are getting injured, like legitimately injured. Some, see, some of this stuff with the – Load management complaints, I feel like some of it is being conflated with the guys actually just being hurt. So, you know, nobody plays. I'm like, well, yeah, these guys aren't going to play if they're injured. But that's kind of how it goes. Regardless, um, I'm excited for these playoffs. I think that this trade deadline made things a lot interesting. And I think it's going to be a fun uh, fun season to follow. And like I said, I'm happy my guy Kendall joining me on Sports Talk. You'll be hearing him a lot more on Sports Talk moving forward because uh, football season's over. and now in basketball season. So uh, plenty of storylines to follow as we move forward. But I think that's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. So thank you guys so much for checking us out. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us individually on social media. You can find me on Twitter, ej underscore Stewart. Instagram, Action Ej. Uh, TikTok, Action Ej. As well, you can follow. If I haven't said it already, you can follow the station or the, the channel on uh, social media as well. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we're on Instagram. And uh, that'll do it for now. We'll have more sports talk next week. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.